joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to bless. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. Awesome. All right, let's stand on up. 
become these hands are dirty I dare not lift them up to the Holy One you plead my cause you write my wrongs you break my chains you overcome you gave your life to give me mine you say that i am free how can it be Afraid I've let you down Inside I doubt That you could love me But in your eyes There's only grace now You plead my cause
Every heart that is broken Great are you, Lord It's your breath in our lungs So we pour out our praise We pour out our praise It's your breath in our lungs So we pour out our praise to you only You give life, you are love Bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. Sing it out. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you Lord all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing Your breath in our lungs, so we pour 
praise your name as we gather here today just to glorify you and just to have what you hear what you have for us today and so God let us just sing in every ounce of our lives that great are you Lord let all the earth just give you praise in your name we pray amen all right everybody just go ahead and take a seat real quick shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And Jesus said, you are my friends. Um, we cannot help but recognize during the Advent season, the season of Jesus coming, the Let's, let's pray. Lord God, um, we come to you now and we thank you for the greatest love that you have ever shown, displayed in your son, Jesus Christ. And God, as we do that, we also just uh, stop and focus on the many great gifts that you give to us. And a portion of that, as we celebrate love for you, is to give back to you. And at this time, we ask that as we light the Advent candle, that we also take time to um, give thanks for those blessings through your tithe and our offerings. Bless those gifts now as we uh, receive them. And we, God, just whatever you have for us today, may we just pass that love on that we have in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well 
Nope. There we go. At this time, uh, children, go ahead and head to our Shoreline Sunday School ministry at this time. Everybody else say hello to one another just real quick while we're waiting. All right. Okay, we have a couple things going on. Number one, welcome to any visitors who are here, visiting here or online. Everybody say hello to online church. There you go. Good. Glad you're with us today. Um, as we get closer and closer to Christmas, believe it or not, isn't that, isn't that wild? Judah says to me, my youngest says to me, this year just went really, really fast, didn't it, Dad? I said, yes, it did. You're, it really did. I said, just wait till you get to my age. So you get quicker and quicker. So. Um, did you enjoy the snow yet yesterday? Okay. Uh, who did? Who enjoyed snow? Who's going to enjoy it when it's like 10 feet of it this uh, January? No, okay. All right. Um, okay, uh, you can look at the information. Uh, yesterday, because of the inclement weather, <coughs> the Christmas pageant was uh, postponed. <coughs> Excuse me, today. Um, they're going to meet today, and they will be uh, presenting it next week. So you have practice today after church. Um, and then till 2 o'clock, and then also next Saturday, and then they will perform on Sunday. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, poinsettias are due today. You have the order form here. You also have the order form online. You can pay for it here today if you'd like to um, in many means. Um, so uh, you can see Jim, I guess, is he around in the back, and he can take care of that for you today. Um, so please make sure you don't leave without doing that. Again, um, Christmas Eve candlelight services, some have been asking um, a couple of those were, um, um, we're going to, since it's on Sunday this year, we usually have two evening services. This year, since it's on Sunday, we're going to have a normal Sunday morning service, but it's going to have a, uh, a Christmassy flavor, a Christmas Eve flavor. So basically, we'll be doing that early. Yes, we'll start by lighting the Advent candle, and by the end of that service, we will go ahead and light the Christ candle. And then that evening at 7.30, we'll have one service, okay, instead of having the two different ones, one at 7.30 that evening. Um, so plan on being here. Then uh, other opportunities, um, stockings for soldiers, a big thank you, uh, provided 75, this church provided 75 for our soldiers and veterans, and we're also able to provide, this is correct, $150 that, um, toward the shipping of them, so thank you. Um, also, angel tree, we still have plenty of angel tree out there, right? Plenty of angels plenty of them. So please, please go ahead and pick them up today. There are more still there. Um, this is the last week to participate. Thank you, honey. Um, so we still have um, one more week, um, to, this is the last week, to get them and get everything together and get them in. And there's still plenty of them. Please go ahead and connect to that. We are very giving, and we want, we want to make sure that we have those uh, taken care of. So everything will be back here by next week. So please, after church, don't forget Angel Tree. Help out there. Uh, Parish Foundation next Sunday.
There you go. Okay. So Mike said it's a dinner and a show. Come for the Christmas pageant and service, and then you can go help serve in the community at, um, at Paris Foundation. So we still have some few opportunities. So go ahead and sign up. Um, if you've never done it, you'll, you'll, I guarantee you God will touch your heart in that, and that will be next Sunday as we see. And so please keep all those in prayer request, if you will. Um, the other things that we have here is if you look, uh, we have one prayer request here from Joanne Edwards um, for Luen Bedwell Neves, I think it is. Um, praise for successful heart surgery and continue prayers for healing and recovery. We want to continue to do that. All right. Do we have others to add to the prayer list, real quick? Yes, Bob. Okay, and that's not like rappers, like MCs, rappers. So if you, you don't need to mix your tunes really well. They need people without rap. That's right, next Saturday um, at the uh, fire hall in Northeast is, um, is Shop with a Cop. And I believe, Bob, in there like 100 and some kids, like 106 kids that are being helped. Um, so what they need is after they, um, if, you're coming through, if you're coming through Northeast at a certain time in the morning, don't think that every cop in the world... At 9.30, the cops are coming after you because you will have a ton of police officers that are taking kids to Walmart. They'll be shopping there. They'll be returning. What they need is people to help wrap presents, um, and you can go ahead and do that and take pictures. Really? You need some more picture takers? Okay, so Laura needs some other people to take pictures as well. So if you want to connect with some of those things, please go ahead and do so. I guarantee you it's an awesome experience. And they have a really good MC, so you don't have to worry about rapping. His name's Jack Cohen. Um, so I might rap for you. Maybe I'll rap while others are rapping. Who knows? All right. So, but please go out. It's a great, great, great. What, what year is this? It's only the sixth year, and I think the first year was like about six, eight kids. And now you can see in just five extra years, went from eight kids to 100 plus. So over 100 kids differently, and, they, and um, there's a greater need. So please go ahead and connect with that. All right, anything else that we need to lift up? Yes. Okay. Okay. So four boys got 86 coats plus um, all kinds of other stuff. That's a great job. Fantastic. Fantastic. Jim's here. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? All right. Anything else that we got to touch on? Donnie. Great, great. Thank you. Yes, that continues to go on. Thank you, Don. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you now, and we just want to seek who you are. We just want to give you praise for who you are. In this season, which tends to seem very hectic and out of control at times, um, help us not miss out on the fact that it's all about you. Um, and that everything that you have for us, everything that you want to give to us, everything that you already provided to us is there as long as we just reach out and call on your name. And so, Lord, um, we just want to uh, give you thanks and praise for who you are um, and just take during this time to thank you for um, successful heart surgery, um, successful back surgery, 
for being with those uh, who are less fortunate and for continuing to reach out and be the hands and feet, your hands and feet in this world. Um, for all these things, we, sometimes we get so numb to everything that we do, but God, it's, um, it's amazing what you do through your church here. And I just want to give you thanks and praise for that. And so God, during the remainder of this time, whatever um, need, whatever purpose that you have for us, whatever you want to tell us, just do that in your way and um, strengthen our faith in you. Help us grow closer to you. Maybe we've never heard the message of Jesus Christ the way it should have been given, that you loved us so much that you sent your son and he lived and died and rose again that we may have eternal life. And if that's what we need to hear, God, that's the best thing that we could hear to change our lives. So be with us and help us just to live out this thing that we call salvation. In your name we pray. Amen. Listen. Good morning. This morning's scripture lesson is from Genesis chapter 35, verses 16 through 18. The deaths of Rachel and Isaac. Then they moved on from Bethel. While they, still, while they were still some dif- distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, Don't despair, for you have another son. As she breathed her last breath, for she was dying. She named her son Ben-Ani, but his father named him Benjamin. so creepy. I love it. All right, we are in week three of our series, The Ghosts of Christmas Past. Um, We spent a couple weeks sharing. Last week we talked about shame, and um, we've talked about being wronged, and and they're very intertwined. So today we are going to wrap up this series with The Ghosts of Christmas Tags, or you will hear me say labels in the midst of the sermon Um, several times, all right? So here we are. So if I ask you right now, if I ask you to come up with um, three words to describe yourself, what would you put down? Like if you have to, you don't need to tell me right now, but what would you put down? What three words would you write down? Also, you know, before we get further in the service, I also want to recognize, I put on the Facebook page, Stephen Snyder uh, Jr., um, National Championship, where is he? There's Stephen, right there, stand up. There you go, there you go, there he goes. And he likes to go fast, so um, when he gets his license, sorry, Mom and Dad, <laughs> so you're going to have lots of tickets, but he's, he's, um, we're proud of Stephen for that, definitely. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that as well. So how many of you, if you wrote something down, you would write your appearance, something about your appearance? How many would write something down about your personality? All right. How many would write something down about your life situation, that you're single, you're married, you're divorced, you're whatever? Okay, some of you would do that. How many would write down a hobby? Um, how many would write down something deeper, like I'm really messed up in the head, or I, I'm, really, I'm really a nasty person, or I'm, I'm just the most awesome person in the world? Maybe you might have something like that. So um, whether we like it or not, we are 
described by tags or labels in our lives. If somebody were to describe me and they say, do you know Jack Cohen? They would say, oh, yeah, he's that, he's that one who, you know, he kind of looks, he acts like, and he does. Yeah, you guys are filling those blanks in yourself. And it's very scary. But words are powerful, aren't they? Um, we've, we've heard that several times. Words can create. They can motivate. They can encourage. And they can shape. So there's good words that we can have. There are also words that are bad or negative. They hurt, they wound, they discourage, or they destroy. Let me ask you, how many of you have ever had somebody give you a positive word in your life that helped build you up a little bit? Anybody? Okay. Um, Has anybody ever um, had somebody tell you a bad word or said some bad words to you, uh, some things to you that have broken you down some? Okay. How many of you have ever said a good word to somebody? How many of you have ever said a bad word to somebody? Okay, this is a sermon for everybody. I'm just making sure. How many remember this? Um, if, if you remember this, you can fill it out. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... That is the dumbest thing that was ever said, right? Because actually, sticks and stones, we tend to heal from those kind of injuries. However, words tend to stay with us for a very, very long time. And they often, as we see from developmental psychology, words that are told to us when we're really young help shape us often throughout our entire lives. Um, And we cope with these things time and time out. If we look in this first scripture lesson that I printed in your bulletin from Proverbs 18, 21, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. I I told a counselor one time, I talk for a living, and I do it to try to build people up, whether it's here or whether it's in school. If I ever use my power for evil, look out. All right? I know that when you say things to people, it's powerful in whatever way you look at it. If you hear something over and over and over and over again, you start to believe it. We all carry these labels or tags with us. There are positive ones that say, oh, you're so talented. You're so hardworking. You're loved. And we have negative ones of disappointment. You're such a disappointment. You're such a failure. You're in this season of Christmas. We're all misfits. You're a misfit. And you're unwanted or you're weak. I've known many people in life who, have told, who people have said, we never wanted to have you as a child. You were surprised and we never wanted you. So you might have that. Imagine dealing with that your whole entire life. Like we, several years ago, it was a popular uh, Bible study called the Prayer of Jabez. And Jabez meant pain. How would you like to grow up being a pain your whole entire life? And recognize you had pain. And it was manifest in his life day in and day out, constantly. And he said, oh, Lord, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Okay? And God answered his prayer. So number one on our sheet here today is something that I've learned. The longer that we carry a tag or a label, the less it describes our past and the more it determines our future. Let me say that again. I want to make sure you get that. The longer we carry these labels and tags, the less it describes our past and the more it shapes or determines our future. That when we tell somebody you're no good, you're dumb, you're never going to make it, you're never going to do it, you're never going to have anything, you're going to be a waste your whole life and blah, blah, blah. Then we start to carry that around in us and we start to actually believe that. They've done studies that showed if school classifies a child at slow, um, slower from a young age, that their performance tends to decline. But if they tell them that they're advanced, they often tend to achieve higher. Viktor Frankl, the great, you've heard me share this before, the great um, uh, psychologist who uh, was in a prison camp 
and has lost his wife and most of his family. Was, when he was like 60, late in his 60s or 70 years old, he began to learn flying lessons. And he shares this great video online that he says, if I want to go from here to that light, let me see, if I want to go from here to straight across from me on that wall, and if we just shoot for that wall, I'm going to end up down by where the, uh, the socket is over there. I'm going to shoot, I'm going to end up downward because there's crosswinds in life. He said, but if I want to hit the mark that I am, I must think greater of myself and I must achieve higher. And then he said, it's the same thing with humanity. If we take ourselves as we believe we are, if we get this label, we will end up lowering the potential of what God has for us. But if we shoot higher and believe we are who we are in Christ, we will achieve what God has for us in this world. And so we need to look at these labels in our lives. One of the things is, so what we need to do, we need to rename it. Everybody say rename it. Rename it. Many struggle in the present because of the tags or the labels of the past. That's the second blank on your sheet. Someone said something to you. You did something, and like we talked about last week, you carry around the shame or guilt and start to believe it. You heard something on the outside, and you began to believe it on the inside. You may have heard that you're lazy, or you're insecure, or you're sensitive, or your family is dysfunctional. If it is, jump in with the rest of us. You may have been told you're hot-headed, or you're annoying, and you're, you're just too much to deal with, or your family is broken. Now, I want to share with you some of these things. One of the things about some of the things that people say is there is some truth to that. You may not be the most motivated person in the world. And you may have, let me say it in a nice way, the spirit of sloth. Okay? Which means that, you ever seen a sloth? Mm. Have you seen that Geico commercial? Uh, He's right getting there guessing. All right? Some of us live life that way. And so to other people, yes, we may seem lazy. We may seem like we have the spirit of sloth. But even if that's true, it doesn't have to be that forever. Because God's power is greater than our weakness. And so what I want to do, I want to take you, Rachel read it for us. We're going to go back over parts of it. I'm going to take you to a great love story. It's a demented love story because it's made up of a bunch of weird, warped people that God decides to use, but it's from Genesis 35, and I want to give you some background history here. There's a guy named Jacob. Jacob had a twin brother named Esau. Jacob was not very good to his twin brother Esau, and neither was his mother. His mother liked him better, and she kind of helped him uh, get one over on Esau. So he took off and he went to his mother's home area. And while he was there, he saw this girl, Rachel. And he saw her. And she was with the sheep. And he thought, man, I like me some of that Rachel. I want to, I, I got to know this girl, man. She is gorgeous. Woo, she's smoking. So he, he began to talk to her dad and said, hey, I, I want to marry this girl, Rachel. She is She's good. And he said, I want to do it. So the father, Laban, says, I'll tell you what. If you work for me for seven years, seven years, that tells you how good looking this girl was. He worked for her for seven years, said, you can marry. He's like, all right. So you can imagine he's like six and a half, six and three quarters, seven years. Here we go. So they had a big wedding. And, they, and back then they had big parties with the wedding, kind of like some people do now. And Jacob had a little too much to drink that night. So when it came time for them to consummate the marriage, he went into the tent, woke up the next morning. It wasn't Rachel. It was Leah. He went, huh? Whoa, whoa, that's not the one. He went to Laban. He was mad. He's like, oh. Laban said, oh, well, that's my older daughter. I got to marry her off first. 
He said, I'll tell you what, you work for me for seven more years, then you can have Rachel. And he said, that's all, seven more years. That tells you how smoking hot Rachel was here, right? And let me tell you what the scripture says. The scripture tells us that Rachel was, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. You know what it says about Leah? It says she had weak eyes. I don't know whether she was weak on the eyes or whether she couldn't see or I, I don't know whether you didn't want to see her. I don't know what it means, but I do know that Rachel means a little you lamb and Leah means a cow. So I don't know what that's all about, but she was, all it tells us is she was weak either on the eyes or had weak eyes. So Jacob said, all right, let's go. Seven more years. Here we go. Seven more years, and he marries Rachel. She was the love of his life. Now, through that process, since he was married to Leah, Leah, God, the scripture says God blessed her, and she had, kept having many children. Pregnancy was no problem for her. But Rachel, who that was the one who Jacob really, really loved, she kept trying, no child, no child at all. And she was very sad. Finally, she had a child, Okay. You might know him as Joseph. Anybody know Joseph, the story of Joseph? That's one of the reasons why his brothers didn't like him very much. Okay? So that's why Joseph was kept home because of what happened. So she said, wow, God has blessed me. Let's have another. And here's where it comes to the point today of the scripture. She begins to have another child. And so let's look at what it says. It says, Rachel began to give birth and had a great difficulty. And as she was having a great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, listen to what she says, to try to make her feel better. She says, don't despair, for you have another son. And Leah was dying. They didn't have emergency C-sections at the time. They didn't have all the things that we do now. And here's where we are. And this is a very sad, sad part of the story. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Benoni. But his father named him Benjamin. Now that's a little section of scripture that many of us have just looked over time after time after time. But I want to look at that today. You see, Rachel, in her dying breath, named him one thing. And dad named him something else. Because names are important. And you know, how many of you have ever gone through that whole thing of naming a child? That you went through, and you went through the books, if you were as old as I was, and then you went through the internet, and you looked at this. People, I want to say, people right now are a little bit more creative, we'll call it creative, okay, than I was. So I want to share with you some of the popular names for boys and girls this year. You ready? Number one is Ames, or as they'd say around here, Ameses, all right? So uh, you guys remember that? You've been around here a long while if you remember Ameses, all right? So, Ames is Ames, Ames, all right? That's a boy. Come here, Ames, okay? Next one. Look at this one for a boy. Bobo. Come here, Bobo. Bobo Cohen? I don't think that works. What about this one? Pharaoh. Let my people go, right? When I was saying, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, clean your room, Pharaoh. I guess you, I don't know. That's, that's unusual. Um, what about this? Zenith. Makes you think of a TV if you're old like me. You're going to name your kid after TV. Zenith. Um, and, and it gets a little bit more creative if you look at the girls. Look at what it says here. Amen. I guess you can name your last kid like that. Amen. I'm done. All right. All right. What about this one? Fox. Now, you're going to name your daughter Fox. So everybody says, look at that fox over there, right? You know? I mean, they got that one. This one, I, I'm so confused. Fruity. 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 Here, Fruity. Come here, Fruity. 
And maybe it goes with this next one, Jemima. Maybe you're going to gear your kid for pancakes the rest of their life, right? Maybe, it goes, maybe you can have one kid, Jemima, with pancakes and then add some fruity on top. I don't know. What about this one? How would you like to live up to this name? Messiah. Ooh, you got to come up with a big name from there. And this last one, this last one. I'm not, what do you think that is? La, 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 It's Ladasha. I'm not joking. No, I'm telling you the truth, Ladasha. Okay, so I don't know. I don't know who does it, but a lot of people do. But hey, there you go. If you're expecting a kid, gave you a whole bunch of names today, all right? You can, ha- you can have triplets and name them Fruity, Jemima, Ladasha, and then you're good, okay? And then have fourth one, amen. There we go, all right? Yeah, mama, there we go, all right. So, you know, it's just, names mean something. Let's look again at this sad verse from Scripture, from, chap- from chapter 35, verse 18, where it says, As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Benoni, but his father named him Benjamin. You see, it's understandable. She named her kid this. Benoni means son of my sorrow. Son of my sorrow. Because she would never feed him. She would never comfort him, never see him grow up, never see him get married, never see any of the promises that she had hoped to see in her child. But let's not forget that Jacob is grieving at this time too. Remember, he spent 14 years of his life just to marry Rachel because he loved her so much. He was crazy about her. She was the love of his life. And yet Jacob, even though he doesn't honor the last wish of the mother, the mother names him son of my sorrow, but Benjamin changes that. He changes it to this, son of my right hand. You see, Jacob was no stranger to naming. Jacob was named deceiver. Because our grabber of the heel, because he was grabbing the heel of his brother, and he was always his whole life was trying to supplant. He was he was a spin doctor. He was always trying to get the next leg up on somebody else, and have that. He on his journey to go to where Laban and Rachel and Leah were. He ended up having a dream and having uh, angels ascend and descend from heaven, and he called that place Bethel, which means house of God. One night when he was coming back to meet his brother Esau and he had all his wives and everything with him, he sent them all across. And through the night he wrestled with God. And he named that place Penuel, which means I saw God face to face and have lived. And Penuel means face to face. So Jacob was no stranger. And God even changed his name from Jacob to Israel, which means he has wrestled with God and man and has overcome. So he understood the power of naming in his life. And so when she named him son of my sorrow, which makes total sense for her, he could have easily said, it's my sorrow too because Rachel's going to die. But instead, he named him something else, son of my right hand. Because in scripture, anytime you see the right hand, it talks about the symbol of blessing. For that moment, yes, it was the son of sorrow, but for for Jacob throughout his life, he knew this was going to be a son of my blessing. What may look like sorrow now will be for God's blessing tomorrow. You see, in other words, it's the same scriptural thing that says, what the enemy wanted for bad, God has intended for good. You know, when I was in wrestling in high school, um, 
I wrestled, and my coach had a weird way. It was one of those coaches. Some of you guys remember this, where you had the coaches who they, they helped push you forward by completely demeaning you. I see some smiling because you know. I know some of the coaches you had in life. And I had this one coach in wrestling. And so we would wrestle off, and we would go ahead and have this. And he had, he had a nickname for me. Anybody want to guess what it was? It was Choir Boy. All right? That's what he called me, Choir Boy. And that was not because I sing well. It was not because I went to church. It was because it was a derogatory term for me, that I was a choir boy. I was going to go out there, and I'd, I'd sing rather than win. And I remember one day, he was making me so mad. So people would call me Choir Boy. I have a friend of mine named Paul who I had a name for him too, and I call him that um, still to this day. But I remember I was literally in Wawa a couple months ago, and I hear this, hey, choir boy, and I said right away, hey, you know, I knew exactly who it was. I knew exactly who it was right away because I am forever in that wrestling room known as choir boy, right? And I could have kept that in my heart. I remember one day we were doing a, a mill. It's where you have one person in, and they're going against three or four different people. And I was so mad. He's like, come on, choir boy. Let's see what you got, choir boy. And I wanted to go throw him down, you know what I mean, and give him noogies on his bald head. But anyway, um, I went ahead, and so we're, we're going through this. And I remember the first guy went and shot on me, and I sprawled out, and he went, ah, and hurt his, hurt his back, and he had to come out. Next guy came out on me, and I went, and he went to shoot, and I went like this, and my, my finger poked him in the eye. And then I looked up at the coach, and I said, got anybody else like that? You know, it was that choir boy thing that made me say, oh, yeah, I'm going to show him choir boy. I got your choir boy. You like them laying around? I'm your choir boy. La! Right? That's what you wanted to say. It wanted to, so you can take that. What I'm saying is you can take something that somebody gives to you, and you can be raptured by that label or tag that is given to you, or you can name it something else. You can call it something else in life. And that's what number three is, as we see here. You don't get to choose what comes into your life. You don't get to choose what comes into your life. You may look like sorrow, but you can choose to make it your blessing if you really want to. If there's a label you don't like, call it something else. If you don't like that label, call it something else because God's power is bigger than your past. That's why in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In other words, in my life, who I was and who I have become, oftentimes you may go ahead, you may be sitting here right now and say, if someone really knew what I do, if someone really found out about the stuff I've done in my life, if somebody knew about my history, if somebody knows what I think during the week, then they would be shocked at who I am. And i got to tell you, the, the greatest thing about Christ is that Christ changes you and, and takes your weakness and makes it something strong. i got to tell you, when I first started out as a pastor, um, I hated the term reverend and pastor. I hated it. Because pastor, Reverend Cohen was my dad. Pastor Cohen is my dad. Pastor Jack just seemed really weird to me because I'm just Jack, all right? I'm just Jack. The preacher thing, that's my dad, right? You can call him those things. And because much of the stuff I, I learned and knew is that Jack, Jack was always Connie Cohen's son. Jack was always um, somebody else's. I, I always had these other mentors to look up to. They were the preachers. They were the ones that had it. 
And throughout my entire ministry, I've had the ups and downs of, of dealing with that pastor, reverend kind of label, recognizing that who I really am outside of here is the same but different. And so when you have those labels to you, it carries you a lot differently. There have been several times, like early on in ministry, when people didn't know what I did around this area, that I would run into people, and they would just be like, hey, normal, hey, Jack, hey, hey. They'd, say, they'd speak, and they'd say all kinds of things. They'd act normal. And then the moment they say, what are you doing? i say, oh, well, I'm a pastor. i go, Oh, oh, really? Well, okay. Or they do this. If they were church people and they were still acting normal, then all of a sudden when they heard that, then they go, oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, amen. Let me tell you, I was just praying the other day in the spirit, and I was just like, you know, they go very churchy now. And I'm like, what am I here? You know, I mean, it's like that label carried with it this weight that came on there. So often I wouldn't, I, I was uncomfortable with that. But one of the things, I remember when I went to Lewis, and I've told this story before, I went to Lewis, and there was this lady that when I showed up, as they said, oh, you're going to get this pastor, his name's Jack Cohen, he's a really good guy, he's, like, he's younger, blah, 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 and I walked into church. When I walked into church the first, first Sunday, everybody's like, who, who is he? What is he doing here? He's not wearing a robe, he's not doing this, he's not these and now, Woo! right? Culture shock. Ah! And I remember that, I remember a lady who I grew to love, um, told me of another lady who said to him, she said, what do you think about the new pastor? She goes, I just think he doesn't belong here. I think he belongs in Millsboro. I don't know what's going on in Millsboro, but <laughs> it wasn't good. I guess she's wanted to kick me off to Millsboro. Sorry for Millsboro. But anyway, so after, I'm kind of like mold. I grow on you after a while, right? And so, and then I'll become cheese, okay? So, but I was there, and, and I'm hanging around for a while, and then two and, about two years into it, she said, so what do you think? I did a Bible study with this lady who said I'd be better off in Millsboro, and then she said, so what do you think of, of Jack? She said, oh my gosh, I love him. He should be bishop. So I went from Millsboro to bishop in just a little bit of time just by growing on somebody. And one of the things I learned is that um, if you don't like what you've been called, then name it something different. I don't fit into a nice box. I never have. I've sat in, in group meetings with other pastors and say, I'm different, all right? I know when I went in front of the Board of Ordained Ministry, I had an argument with somebody for about 15, 20 minutes until another pastor friend of mine came in and said, oh, Jack, how do you do communion? And they rescued the conversation because this person was, not, was a no vote for my ordination. They said, you have way too much other stuff. We're not sure about some of the stuff. You're a little bit different. And you know what? I could have taken that and placed that in myself and say, maybe I should not be a pastor. But you see, God took, as I read the scripture, God likes people who are different. And he takes the labels that the world says and says, look what I'm going to do with this. I'm going to do something great. I'm going to do something cool. I'm going to have something fun. So you need to put around you in the practice. We need to not only Say, name it something different, but we need to be different. We can't be who we are. I couldn't have been choir boy and had any kind of success at all in wrestling, going out there, la, in my robe, and pin, I'm down, right? I had to have something in there as well. And so I want to share with you another story today, and it's a story from Mark chapter 2. It's one of my favorite in the entire uh, scripture. I say that every week. You know that. Um, but this one is about a paralyzed man and who some people talk about a lame man. Um, and so I want to talk to you about a lame name, right? Here's a guy who is here. Jesus is in Capernaum. People had heard that he had come home. Many scholars believe that he was in the house of Simon Peter, 
which makes it that much more humorous of a story. We're actually in Israel. You can visit today, and they built a glass-bottomed church over top of it on stilts so you can see St. Peter's house, which is really kind of cool. And it says, they gathered in such large numbers, there was no room left. People were packed in to see Jesus. And here he is in the middle. So it says in verse 3 here, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, digging through it, and they lowered the mat uh, and lowered the mat with the man lying on it. Now I find this really humorous because if anybody knows Simon Peter from the scripture, he doesn't take things very lightly. And I don't think he would be very happy that people are digging through his roof to do something. So he's probably like, what the? And they're digging through the roof, and they get him down right where Jesus, and they probably had to dig one hole and look, say, nope, over about 10 feet, and then dig another hole. Nope, back a little bit, five. And so they, they're digging, putting holes in his roof everywhere. They lower him down to Jesus. So I want you to think about this man. This man has been paralyzed. He's been paralyzed completely. He's a, been a, probably a beggar. He was unemployable. He was a burden to his family. He was unwanted. And the belief of the day was, who sinned, him or his parents? Somebody had to sin for him to be in this condition. So he's, he's got everything in society that is bad for him, every single thing. And yet he has some friends who say, wait a second, let's go ahead. So it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I find this interesting because some of the religious leaders have a problem with him forgiving sins because he said only God can forgive sins, etc., etc. But there's a couple things that I learned differently. Jesus didn't say, uh, what's this paralyzed dude doing down here? Peter didn't say, what you digging a hole through my roof to bring this paralyzed guy here? This guy, he's been unemployable. We've known him for years. He's no good. He's no nothing. He had that label to him. Jesus changed the label. And said to him, your, sons are, your sins are forgiven. And by doing so, he changed the situation. But one of the things that you learn, that if you're going to change your situation, sometimes you may need to change the people you hang around with. If you look in this situation, your friends will do one of two things. They will either carry you toward Jesus, or they will pull you away from him. The man was not getting to Jesus by himself. And for some of us, we may be called every label in the book, but for some of us, we may need to be the friends that bring somebody to Jesus. For others of us, we may be paralyzed and lame in our life, and we need somebody to carry us to Jesus. Because transformation rarely ever happens in solitude or alone, in isolation. Transformation always happens in community. It happens good and bad. Let's take a quick poll here today. How many of you have ever done something that if, you're, if there was a videotape, uh, video of it um, and you showed to your parents or your grandparents, that was with your friends, it would be bad. Okay, look around the room. And anybody who doesn't have their hands up, you're lying. Okay. <laughs> All right. How many of you have ever done something good with your friends that if you had on videotape, you'd love to show your parents or your grandparents? All right. So what I'm telling you is I, when I think back, some of the most demented bad things I ever did in my life were with my friends. Right? I rarely did it by myself. But usually when my friends sitting around, Nothing to do. We figured something to do. And it wasn't very good. I shared a little bit of them last week, okay? Um, 
So we, we have some of those things. Community can be good and can be bad. This man was lying on the floor. Everybody in that room understood all the labels that man carried. These labels and tags were basically sins to them, either his parents or him. The solution wasn't a new label, to give him a new label. Let's call him Mickey. Let's call him Ladasha. All right? Let's call him Amen. Now that, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't what was needed. What was needed was he needed a new identity in Christ. And by coming in contact with Jesus, he got a new identity as a child of God. Some of you have come into this church and carried labels and tags with you that you've been carrying for your whole life. Some of you may be carrying things like that you are depressed. Some of you may have carried a label of being an addict. Some of you may be carrying a label of divorce. Some of you may have carried a label of being a single mom. Some of you may have carried a label of of being an alcoholic. Some of you may have carried a label of being lost. Some of you may have carried a label of being a, um, a hypocrite. Some of you may have carried any kind of label that you might have been carrying throughout your life that may have started in a very early age that much like Benjamin, if it wasn't for his daddy, he would have been slapped with son of my sorrow his whole entire life. But his dad said, no, I'm changing it. You're the son of my blessing." What God wants to tell you here today is that when you're sitting there, if they really knew, if they really knew, God already knows, and he's not calling you the son or daughter of his sorrow. He's calling you Benjamin, the son or daughter of my blessing we have here. That's why I want to say this. A tag or label may describe you, but it's your identity in Christ that defines you. A paralyzed man. Imagine, been there for years, all of a sudden, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Get your mat, get out. Jumps up to his feet, says, "Woo!" high fives Jesus, and mic drop and walks out. Everybody went, huh? What, what, what just happened here? What just happened here? He shed all those labels just by being in contact with Jesus. You see, as we look at this verse from Scripture here, Jesus says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up and he took his mat, mic drop, high five, walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Nothing at all. You see, the paralyzed man. For the rest of his life, probably had people coming up to him and going, like when he walked by, they say, hey, how you doing, Ladasha? How you doing, Mickey? Hey, good seeing you. Let's call him Mickey. Hey, Mickey, good, good seeing you. And then they go, that was that paralyzed dude. That was that guy who always begged. That was that beggar. That was a person that nobody loved. Remember when he came to Jesus? He's, he's dealing with that label his whole entire life, but he says, guess what? Hey, I got a new identity in Christ. I am somebody new in Christ. And here's one of the problems that we have as believers. We've been defined by our identity in Christ, but we can't fully get rid of the labels that we have. We carry those labels with us, and they keep us there. The paralyzed man forever had these whispers, but he was new in Christ. People still may whisper about your past. Oh, that person, he's an addict. Oh, that person, she did this. Oh, that they did that. You remember her? She kind of got around in high school. Remember that? You know, all those kind of things. 
but your identity in Christ is different. And just as I struggled with the whole pastor thing, I have grown into it in some sort, and I'm not everybody's cup of tea, and that's okay. I think every week I, I sort of prove that God is a God of love and power because he takes this jackass and speaks every week. And that ain't good enough for you. I don't know what is. You see, Scripture is clear on this. I want to take you back to Jericho. When they're getting ready to go into Jericho, there was this woman named Rahab. There's a woman named Rahab. She was on the wrong side of the wall. She was inside Jericho. And when the spies went in, she hid them. And you know what she's known at in Scripture as? Rahab the prostitute. Eight times in Scripture, Rahab is talked about. Six of those times, she is called Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the prostitute. And when they went in and conquered Jericho, they added her to the numbers of God's chosen people because of what she did. But still, throughout six times of her eight times in Scripture, she's known as Rahab the prostitute. I'm sure as they're walking through the promised land, oh, there's hi, Rahab. She was a prostitute, right? Rahab, she's a prostitute. Constantly, that label was there. But let me tell you what Jesus did, what God did. She is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. You can call her Rahab the prostitute, but she's his great, 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 great grandma. That's pretty cool. You may have a label on your life, and God is telling you, let people call the tags and labels because I am going to give you a new identity through me. And that's what we need to learn. Rahab's past was not too big for identity with, because her identity with God was too big to deny what he had done in her life. It's the same thing for you. Your tags and labels may describe the past, but you will overcome them because your identity in Christ defines your future. Anybody hear that? Anybody go with that? Because we all got labels, don't we? We all got labels. I'm a short chunky, smoking hot guy. Maybe not so smoking hot. But guess what? In Christ, I'm called to share his word. I hope that many people come to know him through my ridiculousness. It's all about him. In Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm made different. In Christ, I'm made whole. Now, you guys are going to get some, you're going to get some presents, right? You're going to get some presents, Hopefully. You've been good. Jake, you're going to get some presents? Okay, I hope so. And you're going to get a little tag on them. And that's how you're going to know which one's yours. Scripture tells us that God has gifts planned out for everyone for the building of the church. They're called spiritual gifts. He's got one with your name on it. He's got one that says, hey, Debbie, for you, I got this gift. Boom. I, I got this gift. Anybody get excited when you hand out your gifts you bought? I always have, like, here you go. You get more excited than the ones you get. You're like, here you go. Here you go. Yeah, here you go. Oh, oh, here you go. Wait, wait, open this one. I remember one year Rachel was real little. She came down, had a present wrapped for Jacob, and she didn't know how to wrap, so she had it wrapped in, like, an afghan. Like, here you go. And we were laughing about it, thought it was great. Now, now I let the kids wrap all my presents, you know, all that kind of stuff. God has a tremendous gift for you. But you got to get over the ghost of Christmas past. You got to get out over the fact that somebody's wronged you. Everybody will, somebody will wrong you, and the enemy will use that to keep you from who God wants you to be. You got to get over the shame. 
the stuff that you've done in your life, the stuff that you, the brokenness that you've had. You've got to step over that, not by your own power, but by Christ and his spirit. And you've got to get over the labels. And if you don't like the labels that you're given, name it something else. Because guess what? Rahab was still the prostitute, but she also was related and in the lineage of Jesus Christ. You see, if she stayed in Jericho and she stayed as what everybody thought she was and told her who she was, she would have never, ever been in that lineage of Christ. But because she took a step out of the label that she had and became a new identity in Christ, she was free. My prayer is for you to be free today from the labels, from the shame, from the wrong that people have done in your lives and that God can do a new thing and a powerful thing this Christmas season throughout the rest of your life. Amen? All right, I'm going to ask that you stand as we pray today. Lord God, I, um, I thank you for everything that you've done. I thank you for everything that you do. And I, uh, God, through um, whether it be through shame, whether through being wronged and hurt, or whether it be through the labels that were given from the outside that we attach to the inside of our hearts and our lives, um, and that we start to live by, that keep us from doing what you have us called to do. God, help us to just get rid of these ghosts of Christmas past. Let's help us just to step above them, to rise above them through you. We've all been wronged. We've all been hurt. We've all had shame. Every single one of us has done something that's horrible. And we've all been given a label, either by something that we've done, by, by something someone else is experiencing, or ultimately, God, by just the choices we've made in life. Help us learn and know that that is not the end. That identity in you is, is easy if we just come to you and let you recreate us. And so, God, as we gather here to this day, as we're staring down Christmas and we're thinking about all those people who come in, the ones who wronged us, the ones who built shame and kept piling on in their lives, and yes, the ones who give us those labels. Somebody's, we got that nickname that we've had since we were three that we hate, that we don't let anybody know, but, but Uncle Bill's going to come in and share it. And we're going to go, oh, great, here we go. God, let us just learn to call it something else. Let us just be comfortable in our identity with you. Let us be like Rahab and overcome what our practices are and become one in the, in the family of God. So God, as we move in this, as your spirit moves in this room today, I ask that your Holy Spirit just touch the hearts of the people who are here, those who are watching. I God, once again, as you did the last couple weeks, that walls will be falling down, walls of hurt and shame. Somebody who right now has said, hey, I... I'm dealing with this label. I, I, I'm divorced. I'm, I'm lost. I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm angry. I'm hurtful. I'm broken. I'm disgusted. And more and more and more. God, there's just let those labels go and let them know that's not who they are. It shouldn't define their present and their future. What they did in the past does not define who they are in you here today. And so the greatest gift right now, God, is that they open up their hearts and their minds and say, Hey, Jesus, 
I need a savior. You know who I am or who I've been taught I am or who my actions have displayed I am or who everybody says I am, but right now I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to believe that what you say is that you give us the spirit of sonship or daughtership and that you make me not a child of sorrow, but a child of blessing. And so right now, I'm going to put my cards on the table and I'm going to say, all right, God, I'm pushing it all in. I'm going to trust in your son, Jesus. I'm going to trust in him to help me get through the labels and get through the frustration and get through the hurt and get through the shame so I can be free and have the identity that I need in you. So God, pour your blessing into each one of us. As we come to you today, hurts, failures, all those things must fade away as we come to recognize that I need a Savior and Jesus, you're it. You rose again. You suffered and died and rose again that we may have eternal life for you and have life and to the fullness now. Those labels have kept us from that. Those tags have kept us from that. Those hurts have kept us from that. May they just fall away in the fire of the Holy Spirit. So this altar is open for all those who want those labels to fall, those tags to fall. Come forth and let Jesus just touch your heart here today. In your name we pray. Amen.
let you know, last week um, I shared about Chris King's husband, Daryl King, who they were calling in hospice. He has now had a rebound, and he is now at Elkton in rehab. That is good. And we usually don't share things with prayers, but I just want to share, Johnny, Johnny accepted Christ today, and so we are thrilled. Let's welcome our brother in Christ, Johnny. That's awesome. And we love that, because... All, all heaven, not only us celebrating, but all heaven throws a party in his name. Isn't that cool? So, um, hey, God is doing some awesome things here, and, um, and God is going to continue to do some things. I want you to invite people definitely to our, our Christmas Eve uh, morning and evening services because statistics show that most people are open to coming to church during this time. And if they are, maybe they can join Donnie and the rest of us as children of God. Amen? Amen. All right, so it's up to you. You've got to be the people that brought 
Ladasha to church to the to the roof. Okay, so um, next week our children are going to be here. I'm going to give a brief message, but see somebody, hug them, high five them, tell them Jesus loves them. Amen. Have a great week. That's all I got.